So, it's Advent, it's Christmas, yay for Christmas, very excited about Christmas. Here's the thing about Christmas, it's all about Jesus, yeah, 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 so it's all about Jesus, and, and Advent is a season of preparing ourselves, waiting for the coming of Jesus, his first coming and his second coming. So we're doing a little series, uh, going to think about the names of Jesus, and I thought to myself, why would we do that? I'll tell you why we would do that. And I'll tell you what I'm hoping we'll accomplish through this season of Advent. And that is what I'm hoping to accomplish is to help each of us actually trust Jesus a little more today. Because here's the thing. Trusting Jesus is really not very easy to do at one level, is it? It's actually quite hard. Now... That might come as a surprise for you to hear from someone like me. After all, I'm professionally religious. I'm paid to both trust Jesus myself and then tell all of you to trust Jesus. Um, But it's hard to have faith in Jesus. Uh, It was hard when Jesus was alive. It's been hard for 2,000 years and it's going to be hard until he comes back again. But the fact that it's hard doesn't mean that it's not good or important. So what I'm hoping to do is tonight say some stuff from Scripture that is going to help you trust Jesus just a bit more. Irrespective of where you are now, you might be just, man, hanging on to your faith with a thread. You're like, I'm really not sure about Jesus. Maybe you've been in church your whole life and you're like, I don't know. Tonight I'm hoping to move you. Maybe just add another strand to the thread. Maybe you're, you're not even a Christian. You're just like, no, I'm just here. Nobody really knows, but I'm just going through the motions. Tonight, I want to help you trust Jesus a bit more. Or maybe, actually, you really love Jesus, and you've been walking with him for a very long time. Uh, For you, I want to help you trust him a little more. Because there's no end to the challenges of faith and to the need to trust him. So what are we going to look at? We're going to look at, from this text, the name of Jesus as the Son of David. And as we think about Jesus as the son of David, we're going to discover that there are three obstacles to faith that this text addresses and that helps us. So, first thing is to talk a bit about the title. Why uh, why the son of David? Well, uh, there was a promise given, as we saw in the reading in 2 Samuel 7, Uh, And there was a promise given to David that God would establish David's kingdom forever. It's called the Davidic covenant. And it's in a long line of covenants where God or promises that God makes to his people. Starting right back with Adam and Eve, there's there's a promise given to humankind in creation. There's a promise given to humankind at Noah, the promise to Noah. There's a promise given to humankind in Abraham. And then then there's this wonderful promise given to humankind in David. And it says that there's going to come a time where where a descendant of David is going to come and he's going to rule the world forever. He's going to be a great king and he's going to bring peace. You know, the most important thing that kings did and that David had done for Israel, was it established peace from all the enemies around. And the promise that God says is, hey, listen, David, you're going to have a son, and the son is going to bring peace. Now, fast forward a thousand years, 
And the people around Jesus are starting to think, huh, as we study Jesus, as we hear about him, as we hear about the things that he's done, we think this Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. This Jesus is the son of David, the one who is going to come and be the Davidic ruler, the one who brings peace to God's people, who brings God's reign into the world, who makes all things right. So we see this here, the the two blind men on the side of the road uh, cry out in verse 31, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. They do that because they're seeing something in Jesus that says he is the one who is the fulfillment of God's promises. Okay? Now, how does that help you have faith? How does that help you have faith? It doesn't. Ah, it does. Let me tell you why. Here's one of the major obstacles... Uh, to believing in Jesus and trusting in God, and that is the obstacle of delay. What do I mean by that? Well, you pray to God and you say, Dear God, will you do X, Y, or Z? And then you wait, and then you wait, and then you wait, and nothing happens. And that's hard, right? But that's okay. Because there's another day, and another day you pray and you say to God, God, will you do X, Y, or Z for me? It could be any number of things. And you trust God. And you ask Him to come through for you. And you beg Him, and you've got your friends begging Him. And you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and you pray. And you wait. And you wait. And you wait. And you wait. And nothing happens. That's okay. It's only twice. So then you do it again. And the same thing happens. And... One of the reasons faith can be so hard is because it just seems like very often God is just playing some waiting game with us. He's made these promises to us. And you've asked him for stuff and nothing's happened. And that can be hard. Now, what does the title of Jesus as son of David mean in this context? Well, listen. Israel had been waiting for a thousand years for that promise to be fulfilled. A thousand years, okay? A thousand. Uh, The average, you know, we we measure generations in terms of 40 years. So that's two and a half thousand generations of human beings had seen their lives come and go and no Davidic king, no Davidic king. God isn't coming through on his promises. And in fact, it got even worse uh, for the last 400 years. God had gone completely silent. And then Jesus, then Jesus, the son of David. So, this Advent... Trust Jesus, knowing that God is a God who keeps his promises, right? Not in our timing, not not when we'd like, but he keeps his promises. Because a thousand years is like a day in the sight of the Lord, right? You, You know how time is weird, isn't it? Time, our experience of time changes so much. Do you remember when you were a little kid? Maybe some of you at high school still feel this thing. Like you, you, start, you start the week on a Monday 
And it's like the weekend is like, it's unthinkably far away and every day just drags. And you're like, oh, it'll never get to be Friday. I'll never get to the weekend. I'll never get to be free. I'll never get to do anything fun. And it seems to go on forever. Uh, Let me tell you, as you get older, you know what? You blink and you've gone from Monday to Friday. You go, man, how did that happen? It's not, it's not fun anymore. It's like, man, there's a, there's a week gone. There's a month gone. It's December. There's a year gone. There's another year gone. There's another year gone. There's another year gone. Suddenly there's a decade gone. It just goes. And you know what? The experience of human beings is as we get older, time just passes by. Our experience of time changes. Now imagine what it's like for God. Like he's been around forever. How quickly must time go for him? Well, God's experience of time is so different to ours. So when God doesn't answer our prayers or come through for us, when he says, well, when we think he should, it doesn't mean that he's not going to. So, dear friends, trust Jesus. Because as the son of David, we see that God is a God who answers his promises, keeps his word to us, and he will keep his word to you. You can trust him. You can rely on him. It's the first thing. It's another reason it can be hard to trust Jesus. See, son of David is a, a title of royalty, of power, right? Great power. And at this point in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is sort of at the height of his public popularity. He's a, he's a famous guy. He's got his entourage, you know, uh, the crowds are around him. He's a busy man. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's a powerful person. Son of David is a title of great power. And here's one of the reasons it can be very hard to trust Jesus, because we are so scarred by and put off by abuses of power, aren't we? I mean, and here we are trusting Jesus, saying, here is an all-powerful male who you need to trust with every bit of your being. And you go, really? Huh. I mean, every, every area of human endeavor, it feels like over the last couple of years, we have seen powerful people in, these, in all these areas of life exposed as corrupt power-hungry people who use their power to abuse others. We've seen it everywhere, haven't we? We've seen it in schools, boarding masters using their power over the borders. We've seen it in businesses, business leaders using their power. We've seen it in scouting. We've seen it uh, in sports. There's a whole on massive ongoing scandal in football clubs in the United Kingdom of coaches abusing boys and girls in football clubs all through the United Kingdom. Happens in the swim teams, happens in gymnastics. Wherever there are young, vulnerable kids, there will be people who take advantage of them. We've seen that in the entertainment industry, the Harvey Weinsteins, the um, uh, ba, 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 Burke. Don Burke. Thank you. I've, I've, I've repressed that memory from... I never watched Don Burke. Um, We've, we've seen it everywhere, right? We've seen it in the military. Everywhere there is power. Everywhere there are powerful people, they abuse their power. We see that in the home 
where, where physically stronger people in a family will abuse their power and there will be domestic abuse and violence. And now we stand, or I stand here and I say, trust Jesus, this all-powerful man. And you go, really? Because not even religious people are exempt from this abuse of power, are they? We've had the Royal Commission. We've had the, 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 the dark evil of abuse of power in all kinds of ways exposed in the church. I spent, all of, I spent a chunk of yesterday reading a 90-page article, which is a description of the life of a fellow called John Howard Yoder. You probably have never heard of John Howard Yoder. He's a Mennonite theologian. Mennonites were Anabaptist pacifists. And, uh, and Yoda was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man who in 1972 wrote a book called The Politics of Jesus. So um, he took Mennonite pacifist theology and, and said, how do we read and understand Jesus as a peacemaker and as a pacifist? How do we live that out today? Uh, Christianity Today voted his book, The Politics of Jesus, one of the 10 most influential books and important books of the 20th century. So Yoda was enormously significant in global Christianity, establishing the idea of Jesus as a nonviolent peacemaker and his call on our lives to be pacifists. I read a 90-page article, drinking coffee uh, and eating breakfast on Saturday, detailing uh, his entire life of uh, sexual harassment and abuse of graduate students, of colleagues, Wherever he went in the world, wherever there were vulnerable women, he would use his, his status and his brain and his theology to abuse women. It's everywhere. So how can we trust anyone, right? Ah, oh, but Buddhists, they're different. Bit of mindfulness, bit of meditation, you know. Very, very popular today, the old Buddhism in uh, Australia. Have you read, did you read the Sydney Morning Herald yesterday? Uh, you probably didn't. You don't look to me like a newspaper reading crowd, you know. I think you can, this, I, don't even think, I don't even think the Herald has like a story on, Inst, on uh, Snapchat. So, you know, I don't know what you're going to do there. But anyway, um, there's an article. They've got this magazine in the Sydney Morning Herald that old people read. And it had a, a huge article on the, this guy who brought Tibetan Buddhism into Australia very influential globally, sort of the, the disciple of the Dalai Lama, all mindfulness, and you know all these leading Australian businessmen got together, put millions of dollars to run, teach business leaders in Australia Buddhism. And guess what? This peaceful, mindfulness, meditating, do-no-harm Buddhist. 30 years of violence, of abuse, of financial indiscretion, and of rampant sexual abuse of all his followers. You go, it's everywhere, so how can you trust anyone with any power, right? Well, every time I read something like that, I have two responses in my heart. One is I say, you know what? That power-hungry, abusive bastard out there, that little person lives in here as well. Give me the right opportunities. Give you the right opportunities. We all have the propensity, the capacity 
to use our power and our agency to advance our own interests at the expense of those who are weak and vulnerable. It's there in all of us, man. It's there in all of us. That's the first thing I think. You know what the second thing I think is? It's why we all need a savior. And that's why Jesus is so wonderful. Because he is the only powerful person, the only world-changing religious, political, economic leader who for his entire life was absolutely, completely, utterly committed to the good of everyone around him including and especially the marginalized and the vulnerable. Look at this story, right? Here are these two blind men. They, have not, they can do nothing for Jesus. He's a powerful man, a busy man. He's the son of David. He's the coming king. And they cry out for mercy. And he meets their needs. He stops. He listens. He touches them. The son of David is a king you can trust because the son of David is a king whose heart is one of self-giving love from beginning to end. The son of David is the only powerful king who has spent his entire life giving away his power to serve the powerless, even those who would kill him. Why should you trust Jesus? Well, let me tell you, he's the only powerful figure. So if Christianity is true, this is the claim. He's the only person of power who is utterly, completely safe and trustworthy. He didn't take advantage of these people. They had nothing to offer him, and yet he served them. So trust him. And then learn from him. Oh my goodness, doesn't our world need us to start saying to the world, listen, here is what leadership looks like. Here's how to handle power. This is what it looks like, people. Come, learn from Jesus. This is the kind of influence that we are to say leaders should have. And even more pointedly, looking at you guys, we are a congregation of people who have power and agency in the world, and your power will only continue by winning the genetic lottery, being born in Sydney to the parents you were born to, going to the schools you were born to, with the, with the money and the capital behind you that you have. We have power and agency. You might not feel it right now, but believe me, you do. And Jesus, as the son of David, stands over you and says, listen, Will you trust me and use your power and your agency for the good of others always and only? Never use it for yourself. Never use people to advance your own kingdom and cause. That's what the son of David means. And that's why you should trust him. That's the second thing. First thing. Son of God, son of David shows that God keeps his promises so delays shouldn't stop us trusting. Son of David shows that the king of the kingdom is a God who doesn't abuse his power but uses it to serve. Final one. Maybe just a little more, may say a little more about me than about you. I think one of the reasons it's hard to trust God and trust Jesus 
It's because hardwired into my soul is a deep, deep need to not need anyone, to be independent, right? Look at these guys. Uh, Jesus is coming along. They are desperate. They have nowhere else to turn, and so they cry out to Jesus, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Let me tell you, I mean, this is confession time, right? So this might not be applicable to you. Uh, it might just be me, um, but that's okay because it's going to make me feel better about me, so it's cheaper than therapy, so just uh, put up with it, right? Uh, here's the thing you need to know about me. I hate asking for help. I hate it because if I've got to ask for help, I've got to admit some deficiency in me and hardwired in my lizard masculine brain there's this idea that I should be able to do everything and I don't need anyone and to ask for help is an admission of weakness and vulnerability many years ago there was a book called men are from Mars women are from Venus you might have seen it on your parents bookshelf um, and uh, if you flick through it had some I, I mean I think the science was perhaps not what it could be uh, and John Gray, the author, makes this point in this book that really it's a particularly masculine trait to not ask for help. In fact, he's got a section of the book titled, I think the subtitle is, Why Men Can't Ask for Help and Women Can't Read Maps or something like that, you know. And that's true. I would rather get lost than ask for help, right? And I find people who ask for help all the time deeply annoying, um, I mean, I was, in, I was in New York years ago with a friend, with two friends. Uh, one is a peer of mine. He's a, he's a successful corporate lawyer. So we're, we're age... And then we, we took along another guy, a younger guy, about 10 years younger than us. And we were going to a Tim Keller conference in New York. And, and, and Chris and I had been in New York a few times. And, and we're typical blokes. And so this was pre-Google days. And so we're walking along in Manhattan, trying to find our way to where we've got to go. And this friend of mine we brought along... He just asks everyone for help. You know, like you're on the street. He goes, oh, sorry, where's the subway entrance? And we're like, dude, take two seconds. Look around. It's five meters behind you, you know. Look at the map. Just don't embarrass us by asking for help all the time. It's, like it's, it's humiliating. It's just awful. Asking for Weak, vulnerable, pathetic. We don't do that. I'm a real man. Well, no. I mean, the irony is, guy who was with us, amazing, amazing church leader who now runs a, planted and now runs a church of 1,500 people in downtown Melbourne, has an amazing ministry because you know what? He's actually figured out that it's a real sign of strength to ask for help. <laughs> and here am I, 10 years, 10 years later, still banging my head, pretending that I don't need anyone to help me. And I find it hard to trust Jesus because I've got to trust that I need someone else. I've got to rely on someone else. And it's tough for all of us. It's a lesson we've got to learn. And here are these guys and they just cry out and they say, Jesus, help me. So uh, this Christmas, let me ask you this question. What I, and what I love is um, Jesus says to them very clearly, <coughs> he, he's not happy to leave them with a generic pious, oh, have mercy on me. He says, no, tell me what you want. Tell me, what do you want me to do for you? And he says to the blind men, 
Ask me for help with specificity. Be specific. Be clear. Be faithful. So, this Advent, in your trust in Jesus, what do you want Jesus to do for you? And ask him for it. Have the courage to lean into Jesus and ask him, like, what is it? What do you want him to do? Have you got the courage to ask? That's what faith is. Are you going to do that? And then keep asking. Have you got what I, what I, kids, you, can you all get your phones out or a bit of paper? Get your phone out. Open up the notes app or some device for taking down notes. you've got a bit of paper, I want you to be able to write something down now, okay? Here's what I want you to do. You to take a moment and imagine Jesus is standing here and says to you, hey, Audrey, what do you want me to do for you? Hey, Jono, what do you want me to do for you? Hey, Grace, what do you want me to do for you? Imagine if Jesus said that to you. What would you say? Okay? Write it down. You don't have to show anyone else. What do you want Jesus to do for you this Christmas? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, uh, you have been speaking to us tonight and you've been asking us, what do we want you to do for us? And so I pray for, for everything that, that has been written down, typed in, entered in to devices and on bits of paper. I pray that you will help us to trust you, to ask you for help. Lord, help us to overcome our fear of vulnerability and disappointment, feeling inadequate, and help us to ask. Help us to to overcome whatever hurt and cynicism and baggage we have because of the way powerful people abuse their power and help us to trust you as the one who never will. And help us, Jesus, to realize that you do keep your promises. That even if what we ask you to do for us today, you don't do for a very long time, you will do it when the time is right. Because a thousand years are like a day in your sight. 
and you love us more than anything else and more than anything else in this world. You want us to flourish in every way. So help us to trust you, Jesus. In your great name we pray. Amen.